0: this is the small mouth crush podcast season two if you're a hardcore angler You've come to the right place. This podcast that will interview some of the top local and regional anglers in North America. Anglers who consistently finish near the top in both largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing tournaments. Travis and his guest will discuss techniques and strategies used to help these anglers stay so consistent and help you become a better angler and gain an edge on your body of water. And now, here's your host of the Smallmouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Hello, welcome to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast.
1: My name is Travis Manson. Again, another great week, exciting week, talking with some of the top local and regional anglers across the country. Today's guest, they am super excited to have him on. We're going to learn a lot when it comes to tournament fishing. But before we get there, let's talk, of course, about the real shot. You guys know the drill by now. They got everything you need. Terminal tackle. Huge selection of top brands Mega Bass, Jackal, Z Man, Daiwa, Shimano, Gugan Guggenbaits, even. Head on over to Reelshot.com. Use my code SmallmouthCrush15 and get 15% off your first order. They've been a supporter of the podcast. Let those know crush sent you. Let's bring on this week's guest, Andrew. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, dude. Man, I'm excited to have you because we're going to talk a lot when it comes to tournament fishing. you got a great wow. track record, and there's a lot to get into with a limited amount of time. You know, when we start talking fishing, uh, time flies.
2: Oh, you could ramble on all day. <laughs>
1: Before we get into all that, if you could take a moment just to uh, give some of the viewers and listeners a little bit of background on yourself.
2: I, I've kind of grown up in the bass fishing world as, as a very young uh person and i have my family my dad my uncles my grandfather they were all into into tournament bass fishing so i've kind of been born into it in a sense uh none of them made it like nationally they just love fishing tournaments out west but yeah i've just you know grown up in northern california i'm kind of north of sacramento so regionally where i'm at we're like where i'm at right now i'm probably an hour from the delta the california delta i'm two hours from clear lake I'm an hour and 10 minutes from Oroville, Lake Oroville, probably three hours from Lake Shasta. So we got a pretty good, pretty good <laughs> amount of fisheries in, in our, just, you know, in my backyard, really, you know, growing up fishing, I, I, I started fishing my first, my first fast tournament was I was 11 years old and I was just absolutely hooked about it. I mean, I'm very competitive. I played sports my entire life and. Throughout high school, all my buddies, we just go out and just we just go bass fish. That's what we did. We, you know, sometimes we go to the river and striper fish here and there. But bass fishing was was really big for me. And then I graduated high school and went to uh, Chico State in <clears throat> Northern California and joined the the college bass team. We had some success on the in the collegiate tour per se. We traveled all across uh, the country back east and uh, fished all those lakes. I mean. Talk about a very eye-opening experience coming from California and fishing some of those places, especially being in college, you just getting the truck with you and your buddy, and you got a whole caravan of West Coast fishermen just rolling out. out yeah. east. so that was a good time. And then when I graduated college, I started fishing the the Toyota Series. That was four, or five years ago, and since then I've just been you know fishing on the pro side, kind of uh, learning as much as I can and. And uh, had a little bit of success this year and kind of uh, graduated to the next step and fishing in the, the Major League Fishing uh, Tahoe World's Pro Circuit next year. So super excited. Nice. Yeah,
1: man, that's uh, it's a lot of accomplishments right there. And yeah, just, yeah, you know, coming from California, I'm, I'm excited because we've had some great uh, smallmouth anglers from the West Coast on for season one. Uh, but you would be the first when it comes to, you know, just local regional stuff that goes on across the country out in that, that zone love to really dig in a little bit more about that type of fishing and growing up in that, that area uh, that part of the country with so many almost legendary bodies of water, right. Delta and all that clear lake places that are on my list to fish at some point. I think everyone that follows bass fishing dreams of going out there at some point, how How good is it? I mean, is it legit? Should 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 we should everyone get out there at least at some point in their lives and experience yeah,
2: I, it? Yeah, I, for sure. I I I one hundred percent think that if you have the opportunity to come out west, it's for sure an opportunity. Fish is a lot differently than most places uh, across the country. You can apply a lot of the same techniques, but just the landscape, the mm-hmm. geography, about everything of, of what's going on is a lot different. You know, going. <clears throat> And not just Northern California, but you go down to, like, the desert down at Lake Havasu or Lake Mead. I mean, it's just a whole different world. Great fisheries down there. But being that, you know, that Northern California region, you have the delta, tidal, tidal fishery, grass, shallow. Uh, you got current, uh, mainly all largemouth. And, and then you go up to Lake Shasta or Lake Orville where botted bass dominate. You got 100 feet of water or more, light line, pressured fish. Uh, I would say the one biggest thing that, that we, I wouldn't say struggle with, but that can make fishing tough is just fishing pressure because a lot of these lakes out here, uh, aren't as big. A lot of the reservoirs they get drawn down pretty good, especially now that we're in a drought, we've been in a drought state the last few years anyways. So like Clear Lake, for example, one of the best fishery, it is like literally the bass factory. I mean, okay, <laughs> you can always catch them, uh, most of the time it does get tough, but you can always, you can always get bites. And from the north end of the lake to the south end of the lake, it's only 19 miles long as a okay. crow flies. So it's it's really, uh, it, it fishes small, but it's, it is it is a fun lake. What's um, the best
1: time of year to to fish Clear Lake from an outsider? If you were
2: going there to experience what that region, what Clear Lake has to offer. So I think a lot of people would say the the springtime. And that's what a lot of lakes people want to say. Go to Texas. Right. Spring, go to florida early spring and i would say yes go to go to the clear lake and the delta in the spring you can catch some giant bags but honestly like a, a place like clear lake like in the summertime early summertime probably one of the best times to go not as many tournaments you can catch them in the grass punching frogging chatter baits mm-hmm. and then you can go out into 20 30 feet catch them on a big crankbait, jig. Carolina rig and you can catch a hundred fish in a day and big ones too wow. so uh, that would probably be my biggest uh, advice to a lot of people especially for clear lake mm-hmm. uh delta probably the spring early summer would be a great time or the fall and then like orville shasta a lot of the spotted bass res- uh, reservoirs i would have to say the springtime for sure that's where you get those big giant spotted bass
1: what's your favorite
2: species to
1: target spotted largemouth smallmouth if you could pick Largemouth, for sure. Yeah. yeah,
2: I love power fishing, largemouth. I mean, I love fishing for spotted bass, but Clear Lake and the Delta are like my two favorite places to go to. And largemouth are probably my my, my favorite. Now, the smallmouth deal, we, we've we got some smallmouth. We don't have like smallmouth-specific lakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do way up north, but they're pretty small reservoirs. So that's kind of probably one of my things that I, I'd love to learn more about is, is really targeting smallmouth gotcha sure yeah. yeah it seems like
1: such a diverse fishery i mean the fact that you can fish tidal water you can fish clear lake you have yep. spotted bass deep water yep. uh finesse fishing techniques come to mind but you talked about power fishing and and what what are you looking for and how are
2: you fishing so the delta like i said earlier is tidal there's a tide swing every six hours you're dealing with current and <clears> the <throat> me to me That place is kind of the ultimate power fisherman's dream. You can finesse them there too, especially around the spawn. But with current and any current related system, there will be biting fish and reaction fish, right? So depending on the tide and where you're running the tide and the time of year, you're probably more than likely going to be throwing a reaction bait, whether that would be a crankbait, a spinnerbait punching that's considered a reaction you know because mm-hmm. you, you know you're flipping but you have an ounce to two ounce weight and that thing's you're getting a reaction by it is what it yeah. is but yeah it's all it's all current related and and there's there's a reaction by it pretty much all year round and and you chase that tide and make sure your timing's right and you can have a lot of success you get outside of that timing and it could get pretty tough oh i bet
1: yeah. as far as as far as tournaments go in that region for you and in the past and 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 what you have going on this season, I know it'd be a little bit harder, probably traveling and being able to fish locally, but yep. what, what would be like a local lake that you've done well, or you feel pretty confident when you, when you get to fish it?
2: Clear lake, clear lake. lake. Yeah. That's like, I would consider like my home lake wherever I, I'm pretty fortunate. My, my family's got a a place up there. So I, I, every time I get free time off, I'll go up there and, and fish and, mess around and i like to jump in a lot of team tournaments up there so uh-huh that's a that's a great place very very versatile fishery so it's good to kind of that place i can i can test a lot of techniques and most of the time you can get bites and uh, gain a little confidence in what you're doing
1: as an outsider looking at clear lake uh, my memories and, and my uh, experience when i watched some of the bigger events on tv and, and some of the elite series i've been there in the past you know, big swim baits and and things like that. Is that, sure, it's still effective, but have you seen pressure take over when everybody's doing it? Or has it kind of, I guess, the excitement over that faded?
2: No, it's definitely still a huge presence. It's evolved, that's for sure. I mean, there's some swim baits uh, that you still keep in your arsenal, but aren't as relevant as they used to be. Um, But it's just another tool in the toolbox. You know, a lot of the forage out here uh, whether it be rainbow trout or Clear Lake has a special species of bait fish called the hitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of native to that lake uh, since it's a natural lake. They grow to like I've seen them like two pounds. They get big, mm. but they're just a big green slimy looking thing. But it's just like I said, just another tool to have. I mean, a, a two to four pound fish will eat a thirteen inch glide bait. You know. Right kind of relative to a lot of lakes back east like where they don't have as much bigger bait fish but they have those big gizzard shad they'll eat you know six or seven inch glide bait just as well but yeah it's it's a huge presence out here but it is another tool in the toolbox where you kind of always have one tied up because you may not throw it a bunch but you may make 10 casts and that you know one of those 10 casts might be one of the bites to save your tournament
1: what would be the The biggest difference, fishing, you know, growing up in California fishing those bodies of water compared to the East Coast, what were some things that you found, wow, this is uh, totally unique and and
2: different, and what are some similarities as well? I'd say something that's unique about the Western region is – I hate to keep saying pressure because a lot of the, you know, the TVA, Texas, uh, even up north, you know, in the smallmouth country, they get pressure, pressure. But we have to adapt as far as like a lot of our different styles of baits and stuff. So a lot of uh, uh, bait tuning and things like that, because our lakes out here, besides the Delta, aren't really current driven. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got to be sneaky sometimes. (laughs) So that's kind of unique. I think with some of these smaller fisheries that we have knowing like spots within a spot, within a spot, sometimes with angles and things like that. Help. I've only fished back East a few times to kind of, kind of understand how they set up and how some of those fisheries set up. But I'd say one thing that's different back East too is, is uh, bait fish is like, we don't like, some of our fisheries don't have those big gizzard shad uh, herring. That's a, a nightmare, I don't understand that. All right. <laughs> I've I've been to one herring lake and it was crazy. But but I mean as far as like putting the techniques and everything that I've learned out here and putting it back into into the east coast or the eastern region. A bass is a bass. Uh they live in grass. They they've set up somewhat similar and knowing how much bigger these lakes are, I think that's what trips a lot of people out from coming out west. Uh, and not getting too spun out. You're right. But, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much bigger the bodies of water, you know, they are, and you could be, mm-hmm. have a whole area to yourself when out here, you're kind of used to having three or four boats in most of your spots. Be, yeah. You know, when, when it
1: comes to having success on, on the tournament scene, what do you think separates you from others that can consistently get the job done? I think it's
2: just, I mean, I, I've been, you know, fishing for a really long time and just, you know, fishing a lot of tournaments. I mean, I'm still young. I haven't fished that many compared to a lot of people. But just having the confidence and just putting your head and just keeping in it like you're almost fun fishing. I think that's one of the biggest things. Because when I first started fishing the the Toyota Series, I really got spun out on myself, wanting to know how other people are catching them and wanting to know how people are doing and not just worrying about myself and, and doing what I like to do. So I think having a game plan going into practice, and and basically fishing the conditions that are presented to you, because we don't know what those conditions are in two days or in an hour, really, you know. But we can prepare for them, and you just kind of got to execute and and fish the fish the moment, you know, fish fish what's in front of you. Talk to me about a, a recent, you know, whether it be a
1: a good finish in the tournament or or maybe a first place or something that just stands out in your head where you can relate that attitude towards that good finish.
2: I probably say that the last, uh, MLF when I had at Lake Havasu where I, I really had confidence, like deep cranking is like one of my favorite things to do. And mm-hmm. I, in practice, I, I found some fish, uh, in a few different areas and all were on the, on the deep bait. And throughout the tournament, I, I almost I, I caught a limit, you know, semi early uh, each day, uh, the first two days. But after I caught my limit, which once I caught my limit, I was done. Like I had a, a decent bag, and mm-hmm. catching a limit on on you know the Colorado River chain is, is can be pretty good. But after I caught my limit, doing that, I wanted to go expand and and find more. I wanted to go like I need to go find some more better fish. I need to find a different pattern. And throughout the rest of the day, the first day and the second day, I was getting to the point towards the end of the day where I wasn't even getting bites. Like hmm. I call my limit and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go practice. I'm going to go find some new stuff, throw a worm. I'm going to go throw a jig. I'm going to go do this. And I wasn't getting any bites. I was spinning myself out. and I'm like, I'm on the right fish. I'm doing the right thing. What am I doing? Like, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. So that final day, and uh, I, I went into the final day just thinking, Hey, just, do what you did get how you got here going into the final day and just trust your instinct. And if it works out, it's going to work out. And that's what I did. I just put my head down, uh, through that big crankbait all day and it it panned out. Talk to me about that, those three
1: days and, and deep cranking, uh, walk me through your practice and how that all came about.
2: So I, uh, previously Lake Havasu, the stop that major league fishing does on Lake Havasu is normally in the springtime. So, And in previous years, I haven't had uh, I've had some success, but nothing like a top 10 finish. So going down to that tournament in September, I basically erased everything I knew about the lake. I mean, not everything I knew, like, you know, some areas to go to as far Mm as just seeing the lake. But I limited like just spots and baits. I'm just like, hey, let's go clean slate. Let's just get everything off, off the plate. And. Attack it like you would a late summer, early fall bite. I mean, that's how do bass feed and how do they work at this time of year? You know, just like you would at Clear Lake, Lake Oroville, the Delta, a bass is a bass. So I went into that. I'm like, okay. So first day practice went out. started idling around, um, fishing some points, some main points, some secondary points. And, you know, dabbled out deep, went up shallow, saw some shallow stuff. And then the remainder of practice, what I found after the first day and a half, I just spent the rest of my time out deep because <clears throat> weather was still warm. I didn't think it was cooling down enough for a lot of bait fish and fish to move shallow. So I just stayed out and the remainder of practice. I, I just said, Hey, I, a lot of guys will catch them tricky ways. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. Southern California guys they light line and really cool techniques that I'm just not used to, but, me liking to fish deep and throwing a crankbait, I saw some bait, you know, down deep, there's long point, there's some grass. Let's just go throw a big crankbait. Right. <laughs> that's what I did and I caught some nice ones, uh, you know, in practice doing it. And I just told myself if I could put that crankbait in front of enough, you know, fish or in the right location, the right angles, I should be able to catch a limit. And with the amount of decent fish I was catching in practice, I, I, I could have a decent bag. Uh, and that's just kind of what happened. So the first day of the tournament I ran, you know, started on my main spot. I had a limit by noon. I was a little mm-hmm. stressed out cause I lost a couple before that crankbait uh-huh. fishing. It's almost never a hundred percent unless you're KVD. <laughs> right. Had a limit by noon, which was great. And then I went to go practice the rest of the day. And so you were cool. feeling good
1: on feeling day good, one. Yeah. yeah. yeah
2: feel, I was feeling decent. And then going into day two, had a little wind blowing on that spot, went back, started on that spot, Conroe limit by like 930, and I'm like, this is awesome. Mm. Like, this is great. I should be able to make the top 10, but let's go practice some more. Was anyone
1: out. else in the area?
2: Uh, there was a couple people that would move shallow, but nothing, nobody out deep. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> after like 930, 10, when I had my limit, I went and practiced and fished some deeper stuff uh some deeper grass that i found where i caught fish in practice and i never really got another bite and that kind of solidified the area i was going to go to it kind of made it easier for me to where i could just go into the final day like let's just beat up this you know half mile stretch and fish it for whatever it's worth mm-hmm. and that's what i did on day three talk to me about the crank what, what was the what was the
1: brand how were you fishing it
2: yeah so i was throwing the rapala dt16 and and gizzard shad and i was trying to strike king 10xd uh in some deeper grass and what i was doing was <clears throat> fishing secondary or long main points and a and off those points were these you know deeper breaks into the main river channel and right off of the right off the main point there was some grass that would grow right on the edge of it mm-hmm. and it'd top out at like Anywhere were from like 12 feet all the way down to like 16, 17 feet. So that's kind of where I went with the two different depth zones. And I'd fire that thing out. And you can see, I was using my, you know, live scope. You can see some of the uh, bait and stuff kind of hovering over the grass. And you can see where the, the grass would kind of drop off. So I'd just kind of target all of that and, you know, fire that crankbait out. And I would literally reel it as fast as I could. I mean, I was, I was grinding it. As, as fast as I could and if I got in that grass I'd just rip it out uh, and luckily that grass was clean enough to where it wouldn't bog down too much um, and just get a reaction out of them
1: hey, there's a pretty big difference between a DT16 and a 10XD what what was the deciding factor of when you were going to throw one over the other
2: really just the deeper grass uh, that 10XD I was throwing on 15 pound test so it wouldn't dive as deep so I, I would I would get it down there in that sixteen to seventeen foot range uh, and was able to rip it out of that grass. When you say you were cranking as hard as you could, what what was the gear ratio that you're using? I was using seven three to one on the on the Rapala and a six three to one on the 10 XD. Gotcha. And it's, as far it's, as it's a little tough to throw the 10XD the yeah. anything higher. I
1: was gonna say and then as far as uh your line and, and, and whatnot, you
2: what size was on the uh, the 10 XD? You said you uh, went with 15? 10xd was 15 pound and then 12 on the uh 12 gotcha yeah all 100% fluorocarbon P line.
1: okay yeah. and then
2: as far as this cranking rod it was all graphite eight foot uh, uh pal cranking rods gotcha
1: yeah so that's a technique that you do back in california quite a bit on clear lake i would imagine yeah it is did. it always um, are you are you are you ever varying that retrieve or for the most part, do you see yourself falling back on just a, I wouldn't say a standard, but let's call it burning if for lack of better term.
2: Most of the time I'm burning. I will vary here and there. Uh, especially if you're in a school fish, like if you know, like if you're set up on a, on a spot or a rock pile or something like that, and you know that there's fish there and you know, you burn them you're catching a few here and there. And then all of a sudden they get a little finicky. Then I'll vary it here and there, but most of the time it's, When they're eating that crankbait, it's either a pure reaction strike in my eyes, just like those Havasu fish, or Mm -hmm. it's, uh, or they're grouped up and they're just going to eat it no matter what. Yeah. So the last day of this event,
1: you were dialed in, you're ready to go. Nothing crazy happened. At
2: what point? No, no, nothing too crazy happened. I mean, the morning of the turn, we had a little rain. Uh, and a little thunder and lightning in the distance and lightning gets a little weird with bass. For some reason, I I always get tripped out on it. Mm -hmm. One, I don't want to be in it. And two, it kind of affects the fish sometimes. So I was, I wasn't stressed, but I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to my area and just beat them up. So just rolled out to my spot and, uh, you know, had a little cloud cover, had a little wind. And I think that helped. Dang. Just went to work. Yeah. When did you feel good
1: on the last day?
2: Uh, when like you kind of when the last guy weighed in, right. there were was, was some hammers in that one. I, I, yeah. I was, uh, that was the first, you know, kind of major tournament where I was kind of leading into it. So mm-hmm. I was one, uh, going out. So the nerves were a little high, but the, the guys, the local, I mean, everybody in the top 10, they were really, really good fishermen, right? And right. Uh, yeah. just, and that place has them too. It's just they have giant fish in that place. I mean, there's big ones. So, I mean, a 25 to 28 pound bag would not be uncommon out of there. Wow. But yeah, I was, I was pretty fired up (laughs) (laughs) a little hot hot and sweaty though. I mean, when you're cranking all day in the desert for, (laughs) for a week straight, it wears you out. (laughs) All right. Good stuff. I love hearing how a big tournament win kind of
1: plays out. That's a, that's an awesome story. I was vision in my mind, all this stuff going underwater and, cranking and and catching these big bass but i fished down there a few years back it's a beautiful place it's totally uh it's it's a unique place to fish and uh, it's
2: an oasis it's kind it's of a trip when the first time you're there you're like why would anybody live here and then the more times you go back you're like hey i need a i need a vacation house out here it is awesome it's oh so for cool. sure for sure well i got a bunch more questions we're going to take a quick break we're going to be right back
0: you're listening to the small mouth crush podcast don't rush out to the water just yet. We'll be right back after this break.
1: Hey, I teamed up with Beast Coast Fishing to design this killer little jig. Whether you're fishing for smallmouth, largemouth, even spotted bass, this thing is sneaky. Designed with proven fish-catching characteristics, it's a tiny little finesse football jig. It's called the Open Water Sniper. Of course, it's smallmouth crush approved. They come in a wide variety of different colors. This one here is sexy melon we got Mothman, straight black green pumpkins so you notice actually have a few less strands than your standard football jig no weed guard you're going to be throwing this the same place you're going to throw an open water say exposed hook tube so anytime you're around that type of structure it's going to work real well in rocks hard bottom and all you're going to be doing is dragging this along you can do a drag and stop a continuous retrieve you can put a little tiny swim bait on the back of that. There's so many different ways you can fish this jig. I've put a TRD on the back of it and looked at them on the graph and dropped straight down and just let it sit there, they're gonna hit it, they're gonna bite it. The whole point of this jig is to actually emphasize the trailer that you're going to use. So notice the small strands, the hook is very stout, it's perfect, it's got an awesome keeper for your plastics. I've caught so many fish on this this year. It will put more fish in the boat. Go check them out. Hey, listen, they got a lot of other great products as well. Beastcoastfishing.com and pick yourself up. The OW Open Water Sniper Jig Smallmouth Crush Approved. All right. So we know you love deep cranking. I want to know what are some techniques that you feel I don't want to say you need to you need to learn more, but what are some some techniques you'd like to improve upon? in the future when it comes to bass fishing?
2: I would have to say I I would really like to get back into more lighter line techniques. I I feel really comfortable with, you know, drop shotting, Ned rig, wacky, like uh, light lined all the way to four pound. I I don't mind that. Uh, But applications really, especially when I go North, I I really want to spend some time up in in the New York and Michigan area, learning how a lot of those small mouth work. I've never been there. And I would love to spend some time up there and and kind of figure that whole deal out. I guess another technique I I could say would be, uh, and I wouldn't say like bait specific, it'd be more like heavy current, like with the TVA system and and kind of when that stuff turns on and off, like with the tail race stuff, I fished the championship at Pickwick and, uh, I poked around up the tail race and practice to see what it looked like. Uh huh crazy i've right. never seen like it <laughs> so that, that that's kind of wild so i would love to learn you know more of that stuff but other than that i mean i'm not saying i'm the best at it but i feel you know fairly confident with you know fishing around grass you know punching frogging mm-hmm. uh, you know throwing chatterbait fishing shallow and then I, i'm really comfortable with grass you know being offshore so yeah, hopefully i'll be able to uh, apply some of these techniques out here
1: well, I think I think as far as the smallmouth goes, and some of the Great Lakes and that type of fishery, I think you're going to have, I think you're going to feel right at home. I think a lot of the terrain, and a lot of the structure, and a lot of the ways you f- you're going to be fishing, you'll yeah. find very familiar. So, you know, you got to definitely have a head start there. What's your favorite, um, I guess, tournament body of water to fish across the country if you had to pick one?
2: I, strictly tournament would probably be the Delta. They would. Yeah. It is such a challenge. I've had some of the best days and I've had literally more worse days mm-hmm. out there than a lot of. I mean, there's so many variables on that body of water that not a lot of people think about with with uh, with the tides, with changing weather. I mean, you go as far as the West Delta all the way into like just west of Antioch. You can get one microclimate, and then you go way east into Stockton. And it can be a, almost a different—I wouldn't say crazy weather, but I mean a five-degree swing, and it, it could be a whole different deal. Is there a lot of water there? It spreads out quite a bit. It's a pretty big place. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. you can get you can get around. I think where a lot of people win tournaments, it, it can be somewhat small, but it's it spreads itself out pretty good, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. since it's titles, which is which is nice. But as far as tournaments and just being very competitive and and just wanting to understand bass fishing too. There's so many puzzle pieces to put together where, you know, you really have to be on top and I'll tell you what after end, the end of a, a tournament or just fishing for a few days out there, mm-hmm. you're wore out. I mean, you're just nonstop thinking about tides, timing, bait fish, wind, what I mean, it's crazy. It's such an awesome fishery. And then you have, you know, they're spraying grass here and there. So you got to know which grass is good and <laughs> wow. pressure and so much yeah, that goes into it. But yeah. There's- they put in, they put in a, this year, they put in and they've done it in years past. Uh, they put in a salt barrier in, in part of the false river off the main, the main river. So it'll change like the tide in some parts. Uh, so like water will change. So it's, it's crazy. You Californians do some crazy stuff,
1: man. That's for sure. Yeah, sure do <laughs> Isn't that the
2: truth I gotta yeah.
1: ask What's your biggest uh, Biggest fish Your biggest personal best? It's gotta Come from
2: One of those It's uh, Yeah ele- 1125 Out of yeah. Clear Lake <laughs> Wow
1: Yeah Giant How about Spotted Bass
2: uh, It's It's a 8-7 uh, Jeez Yeah Wow And my smallmouth is like A 4 or 5 pounder <laughs> Right Right. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll beat the smallmouth this year. Yeah, I you should. You should be able to.
1: You know, yeah. I ask everyone on this podcast uh, just because I I love the uh, I love to hear the answers. When so it, listen, if I gave you one bait to throw for the rest of the season, let's just say you're you're hanging out in California, you're fishing the Delta, or Clear Lake, and those bodies of water. What bait would you choose if that's the only bait you could use? What would that be?
2: I'd probably have to go with some sort of crankbait throughout the country or just regionally here, or if you just want to pick Clear Lake or the Delta specifically. I mean, a crankbait can do a lot of work. we got to narrow it down because there's a lot of different crankbaits out there. Gosh, yeah. uh, it'd probably have to be – that's tough because, I, I mean, depending on what fishery, I, I might want I a 10 or I want a square bill. I know. <laughs> uh i'd probably have to go with some sort of uh gosh we'll say it's square bill we'll say lucky craft bds3 bds3 fair enough you can catch a bass on that anywhere you go in the world (laughs) all right what color probably oh my gosh well let's just say american shad american shad Fair enough. It's a staple. It's just one of those. I mean, you can catch fish on it anywhere.
1: Good stuff, man. This is some great information. I know we could talk yeah. for hours and hours when it comes to this. I, you got a lot going on. So I re- wish you the best of luck. I appreciate moving it. forward. How can people keep up and follow you on social media?
2: Yeah, so you can follow my Instagram account. It's a Lowberg six thirty, and then uh, Facebook is just Andrew Loberg. And then I'm now in the TikTok world, so you can get you can hit hit TikTok at Alober1. But yeah, just hit me up. I'm I've always like like a conversation. So okay. if anybody has any questions, let me know. For sure, we're going to put all that
1: down in the description below. Again, Andrew, thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate. It. You're always welcome back.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, happy that that you uh, invited me on. It's great.
1: Great stuff. And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you on the water.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at smallmouthcrush. Also, the YouTube channel, Small Mouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water.